Yeah. So for the people that don't know you, can you please introduce yourself? Sure. Um, so my name is Liam. Um, I'm a lead security researcher at Spearbit. Uh, and I've been in the audit space for about three and a half years now. Um, yeah, it's been a long time. And I kind of started myself, my journey at Sigma Prime and then transitioned to uh, doing some coding on the side and, and other things um, kind of during COVID because I had all this free time. I had nothing else to do. So I was like, may as well do some extra bug hunting and kind of built a reputation for myself through that platform and leverage that to, to do some independent work and kind of been doing that ever since. And it's been uh, a very fun journey to work with like super smart people from Spearbit and also just to like, I guess, uh, work with different contest platforms and see the type of work that each of them are getting and um, kind of, yeah, just kind of moving around to see to, to, to sort of fit into what my style of uh, work is. And so far that's mostly been Spivit. I just find it very easy to work, um, to work with them and get to work with very talented people. So it's like not really any downside um, for me to be doing that. Yeah, it's really cool that you got to experience all of the range of situations that you can possibly have. You started mm -hmm. at a firm, you did a bunch of Arena contest and now you're more like an independent researcher but you're also still working with a group so there's a lot of things to that can fit in that maybe let's talk about how did your auditing process change from when you were at Spearbit and then how was that different from when you were looking at contests and how did that evolve to now where you're mostly doing Spearbit right um, I think when I started doing contests, I, I think like a lot of people started with maybe more lower hanging fruit and that was a lot more lucrative back in the day um, than it is now. They didn't have QA reports, they had lows and I guess lows were somewhat easy to find and didn't have as many duplicates. Um, and just, yeah, some gas optimization stuff, kind of just to get my, uh, kind of just to get into it. And then from there, I just kind of started finding more mediums and highs. And I think the, the feedback loop was just super, super short. So like I was doing multiple audits per week and I was getting kind of immediate feedback on the type of work that I was doing. So it was just like kind of like super speeding my, um, my, my, uh, audit journey. And I would say like, I was maybe a bit more thorough at the start with, um, the issues I was finding, uh, in Code Arena, and then as time progressed, I just found it a lot more lucrative and easier. And I don't really like writing uh, reports at all, like issues. I just find it so tedious, and it's something that I actively avoid doing. Um, and so, because of that, I just naturally just like focused on mediums and highs. And not only did it end up paying me more and saving me time, but it actually just made me better. But it also made me just like start overlooking um, kind of low. Uh, like low level, not low level, but uh, less important vulnerabilities that maybe would combine into something bigger. But typically it was more just, I just didn't, I was just too lazy to do them. And I would say like going on to Spearbit from that, um, I had to kind of put, kind of bring it back to a bit more of a uh, holistic 
view um, of auditing. So like actually thinking a bit more about gas optimizations and informationals and um, and low levels, uh, low low severity issues. But I think still my focus is always on mediums and highs, and I don't think that's going to change. Um, I think the good thing about Spearbit is that you're teaming up with different uh, types of auditors who have different ways of seeing these things and maybe have different focuses. Um, and typically there's always one or two people who uh, do write up a lot of informational and gas optimization stuff. And so that means I don't really need to focus on it. Um, unless it's something that I really am concerned about, like more like, you know, this needs to be thought about in the future, then I'll kind of write up issues like that. But yeah, my focus is definitely still more medium highs and criticals just because that has the biggest impact. Um, and yeah, I'm also just lazy. So like if I was doing a Munify, I would also be doing the same. Like I wouldn't be looking for low stuff. Uh, if it comes, if it happens, like you, you see it, I mean, that's fine. But yeah, the criticals are what clients care most about. And it's also typically, I mean, it's what pays the most in contests, but it's also what brings clients coming back to Spearbit too. So there's yeah, that makes positive sense. in every way. And have you done any bug bounties? I have. Um, it's not really, like not a lot of time. I haven't spent a lot of time on Immunify. Um, I just did some anchor protocol stuff. Um, and I mean, they paid me as more of like a goodwill uh, thing, but they kind of just didn't. They kind of just said like, oh, we can't do this right now. Or like, um, this is kind of like accepted behavior, even though it shouldn't be. Um, but I, I don't know. After that, I kind of just like what couldn't be bothered with Immunify um, for the time being. Maybe I'll come back to it uh, another time. It also seems pretty competitive, but uh, I don't know how true that is. Like, it seems like every new, every new, um, Immunify project that that gets put on is quickly looked at and lots of people go through. And I mean, that's that's probably a good thing. Like it means the platform is doing what it's intended to do. Um, so I don't wouldn't say that's a bad thing, but I think obviously the, the alpha is just with Immunify to look for like projects that have maybe a payout for criticals between 100,000 to a million and to really find complex ones because you can dive deep and there's, I think there's so many bugs out there that people have not found yet. Um, there's projects I've worked on through contests where I'm almost like, uh, I can almost guarantee there's still more bugs in that code, but it's just so complicated that they're very hard to find. Um, but even when I was auditing them, I was finding lots. So I don't know, I think that's, how I like to see it is if you if you've found like lots of bugs then there's probably more um, and the the, uh, the opposite is also kind of true if you're not able to find too many bugs I mean this is kind of like a trust in your uh, integrity as an auditor but if you don't find many bugs you can kind of uh, expect there to be very few found if there there probably is still bugs but just difficult to find yeah yeah that makes sense and how do you approach like a new audit? Like when you start fresh, you see a new code base, what goes from, what's going on for your head? Can you take us from like start to finish? 
Um, honestly, my my order process is pretty chaotic. I don't have I don't have a process. It just I just kind of go through it. Like honestly, I think that it helps me a bit like, keep my creative side because I don't have like it's not super overly methodical. I do kind of have a methodical approach. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have like have a methodical approach towards the end and then I kind of just uh yeah at the start just kind of bounce around look for kind of cool things to, to check out and um and understand but yeah I think there's a time and place for both and it's just a ma matter of like fitting them in um at different times of the audit process and how did your mindset change between when you were doing the contests and now doing Spirit with a little more holistic view, what is the, your different approach when you're like doing the contests and doing the security reviews? How do you make that shift in your head? Or how do you manage um, to save yourself time? I would say with the contest, I maybe like my priority is just because it is a bit more restrictive on time to just kind of go through and find as much, uh, random stuff that I can and I don't need to be like I don't need to understand every part of the code base just whatever is interesting and like whatever I had time and I'm willing to allocate that time to looking at um, but with Spearbit I definitely need to have like a pretty good view of the entire code base and how everything works and um, kind of expect it to be a lot more thorough and hopefully not miss anything so the difference is like Contests don't really, um, you're not really staking your reputation in any way, um, which is actually pretty f liberating because you, you can work and just do the work and not have to worry about um, kind of missing something because that's just part of the model. Whereas the other, you know, working with Spearbit, it's not necessarily true. Like you work with other auditors, but um, as a group, you're expected to find uh, everything or at least the most severe things yeah that makes sense but how do you manage to find those highs and mediums in the contest when you have less perspective and less understanding of the protocol what is your approach to being like okay this is an interesting thing are you looking like the just purely from like a user perspective, like, okay, the money comes in here and let's see where, where it gets out. Or are you looking for funny things that the code is doing? What is your, what's going on for your head? I think just like quickly understanding business logic and like ways to mess with that. So the thing is like all DeFi protocols are somewhat like have very similar features to other DeFi protocols. And so as you kind of work through lots of projects, you can, you sort of build a mind map of, different vulnerabilities that not only you've seen before, but you know, different quirks of those types of projects. And you can kind of like put those together and that's kind of what you look for. And then, and then, so you know, if you know what you're looking for, it's just about finding ways to find that. So like looking for um, attack paths to get to that point. And so, yeah, I think what makes a good auditor is like having that experience mindset of knowing like, you know, you're looking at something and you're like, oh, that looks, that doesn't look right. I've seen similar things that were done differently. What's different about it? And then um, you can kind of work out what's the correct way to do it. And if they're doing it, you know, obviously not the correct way, then you can sort of exploit that in some other way. 
Uh, so yeah, it's just knowing what to look for, I guess. I mean, it can be as simple as that. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. I feel like if yeah. you build enough experience and just having that implicit knowledge, you can just kind of go through things and you just mm -hmm. kind of know when something looks fishy just by intuition. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sometimes it's hard to put your finger in it, but you just look at it and like, mm, I'm not sure about this one. And then it just yeah. leads you down a path and like, oh yeah, I, I knew there was something here because that just looked weird the way they did it. Mm -hmm. And it's very different when you're doing a contest usually because, I mean, most people at least work alone in contests, but in Spirit Bit you do you know, teamwork. So how does that change your way of approaching things? And do you like working solo or do you like working with a team better? Definitely working with a team. Um, it keeps me like motivated. It keeps me like kind of, uh, I don't know, um, consistent with my work because I get to bounce ideas of other people. Um, and I think that's something that's invaluable. But obviously with contest model, you can work as a team. Um, it's just not necessarily... I mean, it should be more lucrative because you should be able to get deeper um, and cover more of the code, but it depends. I think that really only applies if you can cover the code base, if you can only cover the code base with at least two people um, so that you're not really, there's not much overlap, I guess, or there is, but not like extensively. So some differences would be, um, Yeah, I don't know. It's because the flow of work with Spearbit is you get to comment and I think there's just great communication. Um, and through good communication, it helps with each other's understanding, but it also helps like, I mean, I, I would do this with contests already um, with just talking to the client and and just confirming issues or concerns and like kind of discussing and going deeper that way. Uh, I did that a lot actually when I was doing tons of Code Arena. Um, I think maybe now it's difficult, more difficult to get proper like responses and discussions about that stuff because maybe they're bombarded by tons of other people. Um, but I think being able to just quickly go through like, I have this concern about this part of the code. Um, instead of like, instead of going through the whole rabbit hole yourself, sometimes it's easier just to get clarification from the client and you can kind of determine, uh, whether or not it's worth continuing investigating in that part of the code or not, um, which saves you time and also just kind of helps you with your understanding. So um, communication is just like the, the best thing you could, like if you can create a, a workflow that, that kind of goes, like kind of focuses around communication, then I think that helps, um, you know, everyone quite a bit. Yeah, I agree. Because some of the times it, it can be like a silly little question that's going to save you two hours of digging around and trying to really understand what the hell is going on. Just something that it's missing from the docs or the context, uh, the context, you know, that they give you, they can answer in like two seconds and it will take mm -hmm. you like, I don't know, so much time to actually come to that conclusion yourself. For sure. Yeah. And I know another topic you're interested in is the ZK landscape. And I've seen you tweeting about Cairo and stuff like that. Can you elaborate on your ZK journey so far? Um, 
it's more just being an interest at the time being. I wouldn't say I am uh, at all equipped to like really give a good uh, like like an overview of maybe where the space is heading. But I think it's just super fascinating. Um, I think it's can be very overwhelming on like where uh, to move towards because it seems like every I mean, it seems like there's, you know, multiple ZK rollups and each of them have their own smart contract architecture, uh, which uh, as a dev or as a security uh, researcher, it feels like you need to um, need to be working on all these different, different or like learning and understanding these different architectures. And I think almost it's just easier to understand the fundamentals the same way, like uh, understanding EVM through half or some other thing uh, helps you to like get a decent understanding and then, you know, any sort of, um, EVM implementation. So you could look at different, uh, languages like Solidity and Viper and et cetera. Um, because it compiles down to the same thing or has the same fundamental concepts, uh, it transfers over pretty quickly and there's, yeah, I think it just helps with, uh, that understanding. And I think the same applies to ZK. I think, um, you know, learning the fundamentals and, you know, not necessarily the, the deep math behind it, but I think um, having intuition about how that works is pretty invaluable. Um, and then just like maybe, yeah, having an understanding of how that works in the context of smart contracts and then uh, kind of um, executing between states is also super interesting. Uh, it seems something that, it seems like it's something that's kind of destined to be um, and so it's just a matter of when, not if. Uh, and so I think being prepared for that is, you know, a, a provides you with a pretty good edge um, as an auditor because <clears throat> the thing is, like, these languages have, uh, some of them have, like, transpilers between EVM um, and, and their own language, but I think that has limitations and I think I mean, the thing is, like, all the developers are pretty much in Solidity, you know, in, like, uh, kind of EVM-based architecture. And the struggle is always going to be, like, how do you migrate tons of those devs over to uh, to the ZK landscape? Um, and, I mean, that's what, like, having transpilers is one thing, but that's not going to be enough because that's still, like, I think a bit more restrictive in what you can implement because it is a different architecture. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how that goes because ultimately whoever gets the devs gets everything else, gets, you know, the liquidity, gets um, the security people then coming across and it's hard to bootstrap these things. So I honestly, I've got no idea what's going to be the, the, the winner per se, probably a few of them, but ideally, um, It'd be, I don't know. I just, it doesn't seem like anyone is like really actually working, um, in this stuff. Maybe like they're doing, uh, audits and circuits like Circom and Halo 2, but I think even those will be, um, won't necessarily be key. I, I still don't even know what ZK Sync has their circuits written in for the contest they're doing on Code Arena. Um, I couldn't find it actually. Are you going to participate? Um, maybe, I don't know. I haven't fully decided yet. I kind of wanted to create a team for it. Um, and have like, 
kind of bring the best from, you know, both worlds, uh, like EVM smart contract stuff, and then also some, uh, some ZK people, and then use that as like a, as like a learning, um, like a, a way to learn both, I guess. So like, uh, have those, you know, just like kind of learn on the side and then apply those, um, whatever you're learning as you do the audit. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be a, a great learning opportunity for everyone involved. You know, I know a lot of people are just binging ZK content for the past few days, trying to catch yeah. up, even though I think that's highly unrealistic. I think it's a good excuse to try and like put your feet in the water and like see how it is and get more familiar with it. Yeah, and I think um, ideally it'd just be easier to get someone you know who's already deep in a ZK and then work alongside them and just sponge off them. And then obviously you provide um, a pretty good skill set on the smart contract side and then you can hopefully piece those things together. Yeah, I agree, I agree. The tricky thing, though, is that there are not many ZK experienced people, right? Not it's only a handful of them that you can actually sponge off of. Um, yeah, like I look at the, um, I look at the contest for, not the contest, sorry, the Spearbird audit for the Polygon ZK VM, and you look at the lead security researchers. They brought people in from the EF because there was no one they else they could bring in. So the EF and I think most like you know. Yeah, the EF mainly has all the people who are actually working on research that's related to ZK um, and other things too. So, uh, but they're not exactly incentivized the same way um, as security researchers. So, hard to know if they would participate in the contest or not, but I guess we'll see. It might, like, I really have no idea what the, the turnout is going to be. Um, I mean... Seaport was interesting because it definitely filtered out a lot of people um, and it also brought in very talented people as well and they were the only ones who actually kind of uh, did well in the contest like it was very much like a handful of maybe 10 people um, and basically every single one of those people either hadn't competed in Code Arena or hadn't competed in a long time so I think the same thing will happen with ZK Sync. Yeah, I agree. I think we're going to see some names that have never competed before and they're going to take everything. I agree. Yeah, it's going to be wild. It's going to be a fun time. I don't know how the contest is structured, if it's 1.1 million uh, by default um, or if it's similar to Seaport where if mediums are found and the contest contest pot gets increased and then if a high is found, it gets increased a bit more. Um, I'm guessing yeah, it's I would assume like it's, that. Yeah, I would assume it would be something similar as well 1.1 million spread across qa that'd be wild i'm just gonna submit like a typo and i'll be good i'll be set for the rest <laughs> of the year right there yeah it's a good payout yeah i think for seaport i submitted something so silly it was like uh i don't remember what it was but it's like something so silly because i just felt like i had to give it a look and then i gave it a look and i was like whoa at the time it was like way above my wheelhouse I don't even know, is that, is that a saying, above my wheelhouse? Anyway. Uh, Your willpower? Is I don't know, like, saying? I don't know, above my, <laughs> like at a time, it was way above my skill level, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it still like managed to me like one or two silly little things and I feel like I got like 600 bucks or something. I was like, whoa, 
just yeah. weird. Um, <laughs> Maybe we wouldn't get away with that anymore. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think also just people, a lot of people looked at it at the same way and then were like, oh, yeah, this is uh, too too much. I remember because I actually judged the, um, the seaport contest and I copped a lot of shit because I closed a lot of QAs and gas optimization stuff that wasn't like a minimum standard. But I guess that was kind of too arbitrary and I was... I had to kind of go back on that and they had to change Oh yeah, I remember that, yeah. The reward mechanism to make sure that it wasn't bad because I basically said like, this is not civil resistant because you could submit the smallest thing and if you're downgraded as the lowest, you still get quite a bit of money. Um, And the thing was, you're basically taking away money from like the best um, reports and yeah, so they changed the mechanism for that, but... I had to open up a ton more reports back up um, after closing them because people were like, why are you doing this? I'm like, it's because like you submitted like one issue in a report. Like, I feel like... Yeah, I remember you caught all... It was like a heated discussion at the time. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that you decided to change the rules like mid-contest or something or like, you know, while you were judging it. Like, you know what? I think something else. Yeah. I don't know if my uh, whatever submitted was one of those or not. I assume yeah, I it was because it was like, I don't know, in my head at least, I remember it being like something so silly. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, that was a, a fun experience nonetheless. And what are your plans for the future? How do you see yourself um, just growing the industry? Any things you're looking forward to? Um, Honestly, I'm very like content with the, the work that I'm doing right now. Um, I feel like I don't really need anything more except for like, just to enjoy doing interesting things. Um, and as long as I'm, as long as I get to keep doing that, um, I'm pretty happy. Um, I think, yeah, it'd be really cool to, I'm to like learn more about ZK math and go deeper into that side of things. Um, it'd be really cool to, the thing is like all these other blockchain stacks, there isn't much work to do audit, uh, to kind of audit them yet. Uh, and because of that, it's more of a like, um, a time thing. Like I kind of like to learn and, and work at the same time. And it seems like, you know, there's other stacks that are super interesting to me, you know, like Cairo and then, um, Cosm wasn't, and there really isn't much work on those sides of things because there isn't much liquidity, um, in, on those like stacks just yet. Um, but that could definitely change in the future. And yeah, I guess like I'm definitely not opposed to, to learning about all these different, um, different architectures just cause I guess it's just a, a different way of seeing, um, how, you know, a blockchain can work and how you could do smart contract execution in a, in the context of a blockchain. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm still very much EVM. Um, pilled. I mean, I don't think that's going to change, but I think just like, just for the fun of like working on other stuff, uh, I'm definitely drawn to doing that in the future. Um, but besides that, I'm not really looking to, I don't really want to start an audit firm because I think, I think the model of like kind of smaller groups, uh, smaller groups of individuals working together is sometimes more ideal. Um, 
and the Spearbit model kind of provides that through their container product. So, yeah, I guess like there really is no reason to start an audit firm because the way you profit off it is the way, is basically the the reason I'm working through Spearbit is because they pay you the majority of what you're billing, right? And then if you start an audit firm, the only way you profit is by doing the opposite is by profiting majority of what your your employees are billing and then it's kind of like something that I'm not necessarily aligned with so why should I be the one to like continue that um, that whole thing yeah that makes sense it's just different models for different scenarios I guess you know I think different companies will have their own set of needs and sometimes a uh, firm would be necessary just because mm-hmm. like the company structure and things like that. But on the other hand, like you can still get like really good security by going through like more independent researchers like you and other guys at Spearbit. And even like the contest model has his own, own space there in the security stack at some point as well. So I think it's, yeah, it's, it's fair. I mean, if you're already like someone's gonna have to have the the upside right like in spirit bit that goes more towards the security researchers but in a firm it goes more towards like maintaining the firm as a whole and like the marketing and everything yeah um, i just think um for like consultancy based work it kind of makes sense for me to me that the work should be um, like the company should almost be owned by the employees of sorts. At least like they should have kind of clear incentives to have the company succeed. Um, and I, I mean, that can be done through equity, equity, but equity is not always like it obviously it often gets abused. Um, so I think like even better is just to have zero sum, like basically a non-profit company. So everything gets distributed to the employees and you can be, I mean, you can be arbitrary about that or you can just, I, I've seen, I know companies which have struck, which are structured with like, uh, kind of like partner shares. And basically the longer you've been working there, um, or you can negotiate at the start, um, you kind of work towards like a full partner share and then, basically the profit gets distributed based on, on like how much you hold completely between all employees. Um, and so it's clearer, like kind of how you can progress, progress in the company. And also, uh, you also profit by bringing in people and mentoring them and then like kind of having them grow. So I, yeah, I think that's also an interesting model. And I, I think there's only one company I saw that does that. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, opportunity to try different models especially for the kind of work that we do because it's there's different ways to play with the incentives for researchers right so even like a traditional company where your compensation it's tied to your performance on the audits could be something worth looking into and there's so many like hybrids and places in between of all the different models that people could try out. I feel like we're going to see more and more things. Uh, people are going to try more and more things. Uh, my hypothesis is that 
as we have more and more like skilled security researchers, the more entrepreneurial ones are going to, you know, try different tactics. Like we're seeing this new model of paper vulnerability popping up right now, which is an interesting model and makes sense from some use cases. But of course, not for anyone by a huge margin, you know. So I feel like there's a, a lot of different things are going to pop up in the future and people are going to probably find different product market fit according to a different type of client. And yeah, I feel like now in the bear market, I think people are still just, you know, bracing and just, you know, putting their heads down and keep going. But the next boom, I think it's going to open up room for a lot more experimentation and like see what can we do differently this time. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what works. But I mean, it's cool to see that all these t different types of models are being, being tried out because it is very, it is something that is really only tried and tested in crypto. Um, and I guess that's kind of like a positive thing that we're, we're seeing this sort of experimentation. Uh, I have no idea what's going to be the ideal model. Um, I mean, I'm still very like, I'm kind of spearbit pilled. Uh, so I think the container, uh, the container model is pretty solid. Like it's not trying to be a competitor. It's not trying to do anything different. It's just trying to piece together a fragmented market, um, and create just more clear, like deal flow, uh, for that as well. And, have like niche teams for different types of audits and i think that's i don't know i think it's a great way to um to, to structure things and maybe they can integrate like different types of like options for different types of models like you know you could advertise a paper vulnerability um model on cantina and like it kind of just like means that all these ideas can be brought into one place um so it'd be interesting to see how that goes yeah yeah i think it's is a good arena to try different things and sure. maybe one of the few places where it like i don't want to say falls short because it's not really trying to do anything like that but um something that is not set up to do it's to like maybe i guess it kind of can do that in a way where it's more set up like a traditional form with some sort of like context uh contest compensation inside the the firm itself i don't know um yeah there's a lot like of things an invitational that... contest not really like, like let's firm? say um i wouldn't say invitational just like um compensation based like the same way let's say if you're a sales guy you get a performance bonus if you like sell more clients or whatever or if you're working finance, like you you meet your quota or whatever, you get a bonus. Uh, maybe something like that could be a way to to structure like a firm, where let's say you have like a set of like five auditors or whatever, and their comp compensation it's attached to to their findings. And of course, mm. that that would hinder like direct collaboration. So yeah, maybe you sure. need like a maybe you need like a shuffling of teams. So like yeah you you would do it by team and um yeah maybe something like that you you do it by team and you're just trying to like a competitive collaboration sort of culture in a way which is can be tricky to do but i think 
there's something there to be done, you know, because then you get the the benefits of the competitive audit and you still get like the collaboration plus the you don't have you like ideally you wouldn't have like that extra um cut of um incentives like the financial incentives would go directly to the people doing the work as well so i think there's a, a lot of things that could could be done and could be tried yeah yeah i'm just like i think competition is good but it also hint like you said hinders um kind of collaboration and communication and i think even without proper incentives to to foster uh competition i think there naturally is weirdly competition between like um auditors even in a spirit audit or any traditional firm just because you kind of want to prove that like prove to not just yourself but others that you know you're capable right um and so yeah i don't know i think in a traditional firm i think it'd be very difficult to like find the right way to incentivize that without just i, I don't know it's just it always like the whole bonus structure just becomes arbitrary at the end of the day um there is no like way to to measure it in in numbers um so yeah, yeah that, in my head the way one. i think it would would have worked maybe you'd be like yeah more like a team compensation so mm -hmm. maybe you can like put a team together you know let's say like you're the lead auditor for the company and you know your compensation is tied up to like your team's performance so you're incentivized to put the best team together and then it's kind of like mm. a competition between like you know mm. team a team b but and then there's like, but then you're it's like how you compare between different audits that have different like types of vulnerabilities and maybe one is a lot easier to find bugs in than another. Yeah. Then like that would be a, a different charging model as well. Right. That would probably mm. need to be like uh, an ongoing engagement and some like, you know, the, the type of deals would be different and you probably would need to sell it in a way where like you're getting like two orders two audits from different teams under the same umbrella and like that's why they're incentivized to like perform better and stuff um yeah. and just kind of come from that perspective but the more you compartment compartmentalize it um compartmentalize can't speak um the more it just becomes like a traditional coder in a contest doesn't it like you you have to it's like you create let's say you got an audit within a traditional firm you create two teams of five and they kind of compete uh in tandem and then you can kind of reward based on the output of those two teams it's like in my opinion it's a lot more inefficient use of the um the company's time but also the client's money and then at a certain point it just makes sense to do a contest model um and it'd be cheaper for everyone it'd be cheaper for the client for sure um because you can basically like with the right incentives a contest should hopefully incentivize teams or collaboration um in the same way so like bringing people in who maybe are on the same school level so you can equally um contribute and yeah i, I don't know i think i just 
I find it very difficult to see how traditional firms will compete um, in this type of landscape without kind of changing the way they um, they incentivize their auditors or the way they pay them and like the transparency behind that. So, yeah, yeah I don't think it would like it's a model necessarily fit for the current traditional firms, but it would yeah. like look like a little bit more like that. So. It would more resemble like a sales competitive structure. Like I don't know if you know how they set up the sales competitive structure, but usually the the way they have set up is that there is this like competition between sales reps, right? And for example, let's say a sales rep is responsible for territory number, uh, territory in like this state, and the sales rep is for the other state. Depending on the performance, some of their territory gets given to the other, right? So you lose mm -hmm. part of the, your territory. So that's just like a analogy of something that could be um, trying to be modeled, right? Because it it worked for sales, so why wouldn't it work for auditing? Like if you look at it like the the core principle of the whole thing, and the the compensation would would be like you know, still like as a firm you still have like your, your base pay, but then you have like the potential to earn a little bit more of that as mm -hmm. opposing contests where it's like um, totally subjective. I think that's a good enough yeah. idea of different different ways people could try and make up these structures because I think there's definitely room for innovation in just the different things we could try out. I think... Um... I think Spiv is considering trying out like a sort of hybrid contest model where you have like a small team that you're sort of incentivizing to be to take part and then they work together and then you can also invite like maybe um, additional juniors and security researchers to sort of prove uh, their worth I guess um, and I guess it kind of combines the you know, this hybrid like team approach and then also uh, kind of an open contest model. Um, and it keeps things, the, the thing is, it's a good thing that Code Arena is so open with letting anyone kind of compete. But I think it actually, I think there should be a minimum standard for the quality of wardens because otherwise you get lots of spam and it actually just creates like bottlenecks in the whole process from going from, you know, the end of the contest to judging and to payouts. Uh, I think, you know, like not necessarily like they have to go through the securium course, but you know, maybe there's like a test or something like that people have to do just to show that there's like, there's somewhat, I've already made a somewhat like a, a decent commitment to even just like understanding some basic stuff because a lot of issues like it'd be interesting to see what the ratio is between valid and invalid issues, but I imagine it's very. Um, uh, I, I imagine the percentage of invalids is is super high, um, and finding ways to reduce that is a very good way at um, at scaling a, mo a model like this. Because at the start it was very easy um, to work with, but as time has progressed, just the competition has gone up and. But the the quality has also of each issue has also gone down on average. So I think fixing that would be um, a big breakthrough in this type of model. 
Yeah, for sure. And that was what I was going to bring up, that for Cotarina, it's not very often that you see teams because I think just the nature of the platform makes it harder to set up a team. You know, you yeah. you have to be in the industry for a little while and, like, have had the luck to get in touch with, like, the certain people. And even then, it's... It takes time to build enough trust with someone that you're like, okay, let's do a team, and then all this other stuff. Sure, yeah. And completely unrelated question. I, I'm i not sure if you're part of that group, the CO911 or CO911. Yes. How, do, how is that set up? Like, uh, well, can you tell us what it is in the first place? Yeah, so it's the Security Alliance. The CO911 is kind of a, uh, a, not a product, but like, you know, something that's been created internally to, to help deal with um, triaging a lot of live vulnerabilities. Um, and I would say at the time being, it's kind of a collective good. Um, so members of the security alliance are giving up their own time to to help triage these issues and and basically there's like a t ticketed support desk that people can go through to um to help you know get support from these people and you know it's kind of at current time they're just giving up their own free time to uh to, to do this and i think that will change in the future for sure but uh, unsure of like kind of what direction that would be. Um, but security Alliance in general is just a, uh, collective group of individuals who are super aligned, um, with, you know, uh, bettering the standards of the industry and ideally just helping bring in the right people to build the right tooling and the right, um, structures to hopefully, uh, decrease the number of hacks and um, yeah, just keep keep people safer these days. So uh, there's a lot of things that have been worked on by different groups within the security lines, but um, I think so far there's maybe 50 to 60 members and then that will also increase over time. Um, but yeah, lots of stuff being worked on behind the scenes. I'm not sure what, how much I can say, but uh, yeah, I think there's, it's by, like, in every way it's a net positive and Super cool to see um, how passionate everyone is to, to contribute in some way. And how could interested people try to contribute? Um, honestly, that I think that's still kind of like, I think it's still kind of word of mouth, like kind of people refer um, people who would be interested or have something that they want to work on and maybe they seek uh, or they kind of go to the security alliance to ask if anyone else is interested in working on the same thing um, or whether or not it's something that would be useful uh, to to be involved in. Uh, so I think right now it's kind of like a bit closed-ended because there's stuff behind the scenes that's been worked on like, you know, the, like the website and other things. So uh, I think that sort of stuff will be a lot more clearer in the next few months. Um, but yeah, there's still lots of moving parts that kind of need to be done first. But I think like 
you can always i mean the members are somewhat public like at least if yeah majority of them so you can always reach out to people who maybe um would already be interested in working alongside um a similar type of goal and who are some of these members if you can share um i can i think yeah uh i mean sam's easy son is one uh kind of like notable security people in the space you would think about normally would typically be uh members of the security alliance at the time being so um it's kind of some security leads or like heads of uh security at uh different audit firms would be part of it um i know uh there's some folks from you know jump capital way 16z who are also involved uh yeah just kind of like parts of different parts of the industry kind of bringing together um different perspectives on on all things. I don't want to name names too much because I actually don't know how public it is, but I'm fairly sure like a lot of the members are fairly well known or have tweeted about um you know SEAL 911 in some way. So you can kind of assume anyone who's tweeted about SEAL 911 uh is most definitely a member. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. You also don't want to a lot of people spamming those people as well, I guess. Yeah. I mean, believe it or not, there isn't as much spam, but I think there's there's just people who are reaching out after a hack has been done and it's just like, you know what? Like there's nothing it's they can late. be done. Like yeah. it's it, it's it is too late. Uh and maybe there's a different type of uh service that needs to be right pro- to be provided because there are lots of talented people um in the industry who are very good at tracking down um criminals and maybe we can kind of bring bring in bring in that as a service but yeah rug pulls are like pretty straightforward you know who did it uh unless you can trace them through some other means um it's very difficult to to work out maybe who that person is yeah yeah fair enough well it's been a pleasure man it's been really cool talking to you yeah likewise thanks for having me on it was great